0: Welcome to the Love Before 100 podcast. I'm Rachel Birch, and I'm here because everyone says dating in your 40s sucks. So I decided to make a game out of it. Part scavenger hunt, part bucket list. I made a list of all the ways I could meet my person. Then I assigned every task a points value. The goal now, find love before I hit 100. Points or years, whichever comes first. Yep. Once Upon a Time, I'm going to try and start this as a fairy tale with the hopes it will end as one. For those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm a little bit of a recovering hopeless romantic. Hallmark movies and rom-coms are my kryptonite. But anyway, where were we? Oh yes, Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time, we'll call it last season, season one. Wait, first, where are my manners? Hello, welcome. And also, hello, Again, and welcome back for those of you who are back for another season. Thank you for continuing on this journey with me. For those of you who are new to the podcast, while you can definitely pick up and start your journey with us here, if you're a lover of backstory and context, it would be worth your time to go back and listen to season one first. But it's not mandatory, it's just suggested for maximum enjoyment. So, where were we again? Oh, yeah, season one. Let's start with a quick recap and introduction or Reintroduction as I feel like not only did I create an epic dating bucket list 2.0 as a result of last season, but I also created an epic Rachel 2.0. Oh, yeah, I'm Rachel, by the way, your host. So, over the course of season one, I, we went on a journey. Did we not? I definitely emerged from all that transpired a different person or a different version of myself, not better, that's all relative, but more free, more confident, more grounded in who I am. So as we start season two, I'm excited to take this new, updated version of me out for a spin. It will be interesting to see what comes up. Have I truly taken men and love down off the pedestal? Spoiler alert, don't think so. Have I overcome a bunch of the old stories that haunted me, not only in season one, but also for my entire life leading up to season one? And will I actually find what I'm looking for? Whatever that is. As we head into season two, I'll catch you up on everything that's happened since the season finale. And we'll start on part two of this epic journey. Thank you again for being my virtual wing person on this crazy ride. I truly, truly could not and honestly probably would not do this without you. Having never really dated before, coming into it in the age of dating apps, ghosting, catfishing, and love bombing, being in my 40s and as a single mom, has been, well, comical and heartbreaking and humbling. And for some unknown reason, here I am throwing myself back into the fire for another go. Okay, for our new people, what are we doing here? Well, I'm on a quest to find love and I'm using a scavenger hunt bucket list to find it. The very first iteration of this list was just a laundry list or a to-do list of various types of men I wanted to date. Truly a scavenger hunt. It had things like go on a date with a fireman, a B-list celebrity, a bald guy, an Irishman, an Australian, a Southern gentleman, someone I went to high school with, a cop, a lawyer, and a guy who lives with his parents. Yep. And in season one, I crossed five of those off the list. And so far in season two, I've crossed two more of those off the list. For the first list, I had 40 different types of men listed. And even though I was able to meet and date some of those men, pretty quickly, I realized I had no control over who asked me out. So I revised the list to actions I could take or places I could go to meet the man of my dreams. That's what season one was all about. The revised list had things like get on a dating app, go speed dating, juggle multiple men, date a fireman. Um, Yeah, I had to keep that one. Ask a guy out, do a boudoir photo shoot, go on a solo vacation, sit at a bar and have dinner alone, and go on a date with a guy while traveling. And guess what? We crossed all of those and many more off in season one. And yet, still no person. But then at the very end of season one, I realized I was miserable. I was prioritizing finding my person, emphasis on the word finding, over my actual happiness. I realized that I was chasing this relationship because I wanted to feel certain things, passion, excitement, adventure, fun. And then I had an epiphany. Why not skip the middleman, my person, and just go straight for the feelings? Why not revamp the list yet again, but this time to guarantee that I actually found passion, excitement, adventure, and fun. Ultimate hack, right? And then in the season finale of season one, I crossed the first thing off my new list, going to a cougar bar. This checked the boxes of adventure and fun for me. Side note, I was going as an observer, not a cougar. And then guess what happened? When I least expected it, when I wasn't chasing it, I met a nice Jewish doctor. Yes, for those of you who followed the journey, it gets better. The guy from outside the cougar bar is a Jewish doctor. My parents dream, but we'll get there. Season one gave us lots of growth, lots of opportunities, and lots of rules. Going into season two, let's revisit the original rules from season one. Rule number one is make it fun. The list was supposed to be fun, but it turned into a frantic search for a guy. Thankfully, as I mentioned, I caught myself and rewrote the list. Would it be fun to find my person? Yes, but the journey has to be fun too, not just the destination. So my new list is all the things that I would actually want to do and the places I actually want to go. Esther Hicks says, the work is feeling good. So if that's the work, that's what the season is about, feeling good. Beep, beep. Rule number two is focus on the growth. I learned so much last season. It's weird growing and recording the growth real time. Luckily, things turned out well last season. Let's set the intention that the same thing happens this time around. How can I learn to be even more unattached to the outcome of finding my person? How can I believe even more fully that I am the prize? How can I just let myself be more me, all the way me? For me, growth isn't about being a different person or a better person. It's about me being more me, removing the blocks or old stories that get in the way of that. And rule number three is decide what you want and be determined to get that. This or something better. This one I've realized is tricky this time around. The more I examine my life and my options, options that I didn't think I had before, I go back and forth between wanting my person now in all his glory, and also just wanting to have this time of my life to have the time of my life without one person, having a bunch of experiences, meeting a bunch of people. Like the proverbial slut phase, but experientially slutty, not physically slutty, although no judgment. But just like a a sampler platter of life experiences and men. Is that wrong? That feels wrong to want that. Okay, so enough about rules. Here's what you guys really want to know. You're wondering what happened with the guy, the guy who just happened to be walking by that cougar bar, the Jewish doctor, that guy. Well, let's go back. Two days after meeting him, I get a text at 7.15 p.m. Hi there. Well, hello there, I reply. We chat back and forth. He asks what I'm up to. I say that I'm working because the friend I was supposed to go to dinner with canceled. And he says, My kids left me by myself until time 30. I say, How sad. Whatever will you do to stay out of trouble? He replies, Why stay out of trouble? Could be looking for trouble. I reply, I have a feeling you are. He's having dinner at a local restaurant, and then later he texts that he just got home. We chat about his dinner, apparently they forgot the cheese on his sandwich, and his kids, and then he asks, Where is trouble? I reply, I think you, sir, are trouble. We continue to chat, and he asks me if I'm willing to come meet him for a quick drink. I always say no to these types of requests. Always. What good could come from meeting a stranger late at night? Nothing. But if I'm going to let myself have new experiences, what about adding go out at the last minute to my bucket list? I'm feeling spontaneous. And since experiences creating feelings of adventure are permitted and even encouraged, I decide, okay, let's try this. Having already Googled him, I know he's a well-known doctor in the area. Although his Yelp reviews aren't favorable. Apparently, He doesn't have the best bedside manner, and he's not a great listener. But since I'm not looking for a doctor, I'm looking for a date, I ignore this. I know you're thinking, Rachel, bedside manner and good listener are transferable skills. They are just as important in a date as a doctor. Well, let me tell you, for those of you who are new, I'm still learning to listen to the red flags, literally waving in my face. I must be a bull. I just figured it out. I'm a tourist. I'm wired to chase red flags. Okay, so we agree to meet at a restaurant that I've been to before. It's a little past 10 o'clock. I know, but this journey would be pretty boring if I had it all figured out, right? Okay, so back to meeting a stranger in a bar at 10 p.m. The nightlife in Newport Beach is not like Vegas or New York. Things don't stay open late, but it's a Saturday night, so let's see what happens. I arrive and wait to go in. He walks up and immediately plants a kiss on me. It's a hard peck. Okay, weird, but maybe he's just being friendly. We try the door. There are people inside, but the door is locked. It's the week before Christmas, so it's likely a private holiday party. Damn it. We decide to walk down the sidewalk to the bench overlooking the ocean. We're in a residential neighborhood surrounded by houses right off Pacific Coast Highway, which is still busy at this time of night. Plus, again. Having Googled him, I feel safe, in spite of his mediocre Yelp reviews. He insists on walking on the street side of the sidewalk. Okay, a gentleman. I like that. I look over at him. He's wearing the same corduroy jacket from the night I met him. He seems to have a New York vibe. So I ask him, where are you from? The East Coast? No, everyone asks me that. I'm from here. Really? I say. Everyone thinks I'm from New York too, but I was also born here. Turns out. We were both born at the same hospital, went to the same small private school from kindergarten to eighth grade and the same high school. Our parents live in the same neighborhood. And I would later learn that our parents actually know each other and they belong to our temple. How had we never met? We talked a little bit about his kids and his family. And then he starts to get handsy. I kind of turn my body away from him, but keep talking to him. Ugh, okay. I see where this is going. And the new me isn't into it. It's not flattering and it's too early. Last season, I enjoyed knowing a man found me sexually attractive. This season, it's a red flag. An immediate no. Also, the new me doesn't make the fact that this could be an amazing love story mean anything. Been there, done that. Last season, I found synchronicities and Hallmark movie meet-cutes magical. So much so, they often blinded me to the more important matters but not anymore. A meet-cute, serendipity kiss met ain't got nothing on a red flag. Progress, I'm learning. Just then he pushes his open mouth against mine. Is he trying to resuscitate me? It's seriously not even a kiss. It's like a rescue attempt. If he starts pushing on my chest, I'll be really confused. Is he trying to fill me up or completing CPR? Ugh, I've had enough. I tell him I'm cold and ready to go. We walk back to our car's. On the walk back, he gets a FaceTime call at 11 PM. He says it's probably his kids. Nope, turns out it's a friend, air quotes. His friend is persistent and tries to FaceTime him a couple times. He walks me to my car and tells me to text him when I get home safely. I drive home amused and not surprised. There's a reason you don't go meet strangers out at night on a last minute invitation. That's not something that needs to be repeated. On paper, this was my guy. In reality, so not my guy. But don't worry, the doctor isn't the only person I met in December. I actually made four new friends, all female. Coincidentally, making new friends, male and female, is also on my new epic dating bucket list. One thing I noticed after wrapping season one of the podcast was that I was immediately less focused on meeting men. I started to wonder if the podcast made me crazy or rather crazier. You see, I've always been boy crazy, but I think dating apps and men have cured me of that. I may have been boy crazy, but I'm definitely not man crazy. Anyway, now that the podcast had wrapped, I notice a shift in my energy and focus. Maybe it's growth and maybe it's the podcast ending or both, but whatever it is, it feels good. I know people say it's hard to make new friends as an adult, but again, in one month, I made four new female friends, like really good people too, and without even trying. So the first was Misha at the retreat. You met Misha last season in the episode about the dick pics. As I said then, Misha appeals to my rebel side. She's an invitation to think differently and not always do the right thing, meaning the thing I've been conditioned as a lawyer and a coach to strive for, like Sometimes you just want to make the wrong choice. Sometimes you want to listen to the devil on your shoulder, especially if you tend to be a good girl and a rule follower like me. We all need a Misha in our lives. And second, I actually made a friend at Starbucks. My lucky get picked up on by a guy Starbucks. Sidebar, I have to say, if you're trying this for yourself, getting picked up at a Starbucks, and I mean, why wouldn't you? Not all Starbuckses are created equal. Each one seems to have its own personality and clientele. I doubt I could get picked up on at just any Starbucks. Actually, maybe that'll be my next challenge. But for now, this is my go-to Starbucks and it's working for me. So far, I've been picked up on three times by men. Anyway, this Starbucks has a little community library. You know those little wooden crates with a sign that says, take one, leave one? Yeah, it's a great conversation starter. It's right next to the area where you wait to get your drinks. So the day after I wrap the podcast, I head in for my drink and I can feel the relief. Like I can just be me, get my drink and not even talk to any guys if I don't want to. While I'm waiting for my drink, I notice a woman checking out the one book in the library. I look at her, look away, and then look back and casually say, I always like to see what books are in there. We start chatting just a little. And then I say, every time I come, I say next time I'm going to bring some books to put in. But they would all be personal development books. And kind of laugh. She replies, Oh, do you have any good recommendations? I name a couple of my favorites and we continue to chat. Eventually, mind you, it's probably only been like five or 10 minutes. She says, We should exchange phone numbers. We do. And then we agree to make a date to grab coffee and take a beach walk after the holidays. So last week, I had the brilliant idea to bring a book and put it in the library. It's a book that I have been wanting to give away. The book is called Why Men Love Bitches. In preparation to put it in the library, I take a hot pink Sharpie and write on the inside cover so it bleeds through so you can faintly see it from the front. What you really need to know, colon, number one, don't be a doormat. Basically, that's the whole point of the book, which I agree with. And then I write, and number two, don't read this book. Listen to the Love Before 100 podcast instead, XO. So here I am, I have my book, and it's ready to go but I'm embarrassed being seen with this book. So I text my new friend, a photo of the book and say, about to put my first book in the Starbucks library. And thinking of you, I wish you were here, I'm so embarrassed. I walk over to the library and put it in and then I text her to let her know it's been done. I go back to work and then about 10 minutes later, as I'm packing up to leave, I see a good looking guy walk in and stand next to the library. He and another guy are waiting for their mobile orders. I walk over and stand there and pretend like I'm waiting for a drink, too. I type out another text to her. It says, there's a hot guy standing in front of the library now, and I'm tempted to point to the book innocently and ask, is that true? Do men love bitches? She replies immediately, do it. And that's all I need. I pretend I'm just seeing the book and that it's not mine. I smile and ask him, can I ask you a question? He says yes, and I proceed to ask him, is it true? Do men really love bitches? Pointing to the book. He smiles, shrugs, and replies, sometimes. Honestly, when I got closer, I realized he wasn't actually that cute. And that's not just me being bitter, I promise. But I was really happy that I did it and that I was able to connect with my new friend over it. It was just fun. And fun and connection are two things that I'm looking for. And also, I totally would have played it over and over in my head asking, why didn't you just do it if I hadn't? That was my friend number two. And then lastly, I made two new friends at a New Year's party. More on the party and those friends in a bit. But first, let me tell you about some guys. So meanwhile, on the dating app front, I have a number of new matches. Most notably, an Australian and a new firefighter who lives in San Diego. The Australian and I make a date for the day after Christmas, Boxing Day. I'm pretty excited because as I mentioned, dating an Australian was on my original bucket list. So I kind of feel like I'm getting extra credit with this one. We go to one of my favorite spots to have a drink right on the water and we have a great time. I say, oh shoot, we missed the sunset. And he replies that we were too engaged in our conversation and smiles. He insists on paying for everything and walking me to my car and then even waits with me at valet. He texts immediately that night that he had a great time and then again later the next night. A couple days later, I start to feel this extreme sadness. I can't tie it to anything or even describe it. It was really, really bad. I cried on and off for two days. And in the midst of that, the fireman texts. This is the original fireman, not the new fireman. The one that had a recurring role in season one. To review, we went out on four dates and he's consistently inconsistent with his texts. He's a really nice man, a hard worker and a doting father. He's someone I enjoy spending time with, but have been reserving judgment on. He's not my person, but I'm reluctant to admit it to myself. Okay, so he texts. It's been a couple days since he last texted, and he checks in since I was sick the week before. I'm usually upbeat and super positive in my text to him. And when he asks how I'm doing, I'm honest. I say, I feel better physically, but I've been super sad the last couple days. How are you doing? He replies, why are you sad? What's going on? I respond and tell him a little bit about what's going on for me. And he replies, I'm sorry. I wish I could give you a hug. Do you have your kids? I could come by and give you a hug and maybe some dinner to try and cheer you up. Unfortunately, since I have my boys, he can't come by. But I start to think about the prospect of having a man in my home. This is a big thing for me. I remember talking to my coach about wanting to have sex, but also not wanting to have someone in my house, like in my space. I jokingly realized I'm more protective of my house than my vagina. (laughs) But then last season, when I had someone invite himself out to stay with me, I started to open up to the idea. I actually got excited about the prospect of entertaining and having someone to enjoy my home with me. I have a pizza oven that my real estate agent bought me as a housewarming gift. I set it up and did all the things, propane tank, everything, but I never used it. I keep saying it's something I would do with my person. And then I went through a phase of saying I'd conquer the pizza oven alone. And then I'm just back to, I want someone to do it with. And I don't even eat pizza. But yeah, so lately I've been crazily decluttering my house. It feels like nesting, preparing for my person to come perhaps. I can feel my energy shifting again to open up all of me, my heart, my house, my body to someone. It feels scary, but good. I almost expect him to walk through the door any minute. Okay, so with all that background, it's time to cross the first item off our list for season two, finally. So this week, we are checking going to a party, in this case, a New Year's Eve party, off my new epic dating bucket list. Today is New Year's Eve, and I have a party to go to. I don't know many details or even who will be there. I know that some people from high school are getting together. Two weeks before, my friend Danielle had texted me, hey, do you have any New Year's Eve plans? Okay, as an introvert, I hate when people ask me about availability without telling me what I may be inadvertently agreeing to. Like if I say I'm available, but I hate what the suggestion is, I've lost my, oh, so sorry, I wish I could, but I'm busy that day response. Luckily, Danielle is one of my best friends. We've been friends since high school. We were in each other's weddings. She's always been there for me and we've never even had a disagreement. She's the opposite of the story I have of people leaving and never coming back. Also, not only do I love spending time with her, but if I didn't like what she was offering, I could just tell her, no, thank you. So I reply, hey, nope. Want to join us at our place? Danielle asks. Danielle and her husband, Leo, who's also a friend of mine from high school, just moved into a new place and their home is spectacular. It actually sounds like it could be a perfect evening. And then I'll slip out early and go home and write out my goals. My favorite way to spend New Year's. But then she adds, kid-friendly. So this may be a deal-breaker. I'm one of those jerks who, if I have a night off from my kids, doesn't want to hang out with other people's kids. I love Danielle's kids and her twin sister's kids. So that's not the issue. The question is, what other kids might be there? Who else is coming to this? I respond with a non-committal, oh, that's so nice. I don't think I'll have the boys, but I'll confirm. She replies, you can come sans kids too. Rob is coming kidless. Oh, I know Rob is going. Rob is single. So there'll be at least one single guy there. Okay. She tells me Jed is in charge. So Jed runs an event planning agency in New York and has worked with huge companies, celebrities, and food and wine festivals. In any event, this ain't going to be no regular shindig. Okay, so the party's tonight. And even though it's raining, I get my hair blown out, of course. And then I dress in something I want to wear. It's not super festive, but I feel great in it. And I'm dressing for me. I think it will be all couples besides me and Rob, so it doesn't matter. The plan is to meet for drinks and food at a swanky hotel on the water. Actually, the same one I went to on the date with the Australian. And then go back to Danielle's house to ring in the new year. We are meeting at 5.30, so my plan is still to duck out early and head home to write my goals. I drive to Danielle's house, and then I catch a ride with her. We walk into the hotel bar, and I immediately see a bunch of familiar faces. Just older. Oh, my God. Three of the biggest crushes of my childhood are here. I start talking with one guy who I haven't seen since our 20-year reunion. I think it's been almost 10 years. He looks really good. He was always a really good looking kid. Blonde hair, blue eyes, great smile. He wasn't one of the crushes. He's married, but his wife is home with the kids. We chat and catch up and he looks me right in the eye and emphatically says, God, it's so great to see you. It feels nice to be connecting with someone from the past. Nothing romantic, obviously, just cozy. I say hi to a lot of people, hug a lot of people, and then sit down with Danielle to order food. We chat a little bit about how great it is to see everyone and then I see him at the other end of the table. Oh, Mark's here, I say to Danielle. I avoid making eye contact. Okay, so this guy, I had a huge crush on him. We both had long-term relationships in high school and had broken up with them for college. We were friendly and flirted, and then we kissed and cuddled a little bit a couple times the summer of my freshman year in college. And then we took a trip to Laughlin with a group from high school. At that point in my life, I had only slept with my high school boyfriend. And I felt like I needed to let myself be with someone else. So I slept with Mark. And then on the way back from Laughlin, he told me he liked someone else. And that was it. I was so disappointed. Remember the one night stand episode from last season? I mentioned a bunch of unintentional one night stands. This guy was the first one. This guy was the guy who showed me how much it can change from one minute to the next. I turn back to Danielle and my chicken wings, and I order another glass of champagne. Just then, I get a text from the fireman wishing me Happy New Year. At this point, Jed's wife comes over and introduces herself. She's one of the only people who didn't go to high school with us. She's from Serbia, and she's lovely. I've now had two glasses of champagne, so any filter of appropriateness that I might purport to have is off. She says something about never having met most of the people here. And I say, well, I know them all, but I've only slept with one. She laughs and says, I like you. Thank you. That's very refreshing. We finish up and then head to Danielle's house for part two. I sip on another glass of champagne and chat with Jed's wife. She says, I hate small talk. Me too. I'm never one for small talk. It actually makes me physically uncomfortable. We continue to talk and she says, you're different. It must have been hard for you growing up here. This woman can see what it took me 46 years and one podcast season to really understand. I feel seen and understood, and this connection totally makes my night. And let's just notice that I'm connecting with a woman, a non-romantic connection, and it's the best thing all night. Well, so far. Just then, Mark walks over smiling, arms stretch out for a hug. Rach, it's good to see you, he says. We catch up, Talk about our kids and our lives. As the night goes on, he gets more nostalgic. Forget how great you are. With a smirk, I say, I am pretty great, and nudge him in the side before walking away. Later, he approaches again. He's reminiscing about our Laughlin trip. That was a fun trip. He must have seen the look in my eyes because he says to me softly, Did I hurt you? Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Not after all these years. I look him in the eyes put my hand on his chest and say, yeah, you did. I really liked you. He looks down at me and I continue. And you slept with me. And then on the way home, you told me you liked Julie Jackson. He laughs and says, oh yeah, I did like her. I really did. Isn't that weird how you like certain people? Super weird response, but okay. He takes my glass to refill it and disappears. At this point in the evening, some of Danielle's neighbors come over. We start to play a dice game for money. All of a sudden, I become very competitive and start shit-talking. I'm probably about four or five glasses of champagne deep now. Mind you, two is normally my max. Fast forward and midnight is approaching. I'm mad at myself because I had planned to be long gone by now. Being single on New Year's in a room full of married couples is not the vibe. But somehow, I have two single guys standing next to me. Mark is one of them. After the countdown, he turns to me and says, Happy New Year, Rich," And kisses me lightly on the lips. A pat. As he gets ready to go, he says, Reconnecting with you was the highlight of my night, and that's not a line. At this point, I'm debating driving home. I don't drink often, and it's been a long while since I've had to decide about driving anywhere, so I don't trust my judgment. I feel okay, but I realize I'm probably drunk. I debate getting an Uber, but the two other people trying to get Ubers are having a terrible time, lots of canceled rides. I decide I'll just crash out on the couch and drive home in the morning. I sleep like crap, but I'm kind of enjoying the college experience. In the morning, Danielle comes and sits with me. Now it's New Year's Day. We recap the evening and talk about how great it was to see everyone. We talk about our goals and what we want to see in 2023. I'm elated to start 2023 with one of my favorite people talking about one of my favorite subjects. And then she tells me, Mark approached her last night and asked all about the status of my divorce and whether I'm ready for a relationship. He asked about pursuing something with me. Now he wants to come back? It's been 25 years. Seriously, what the hell? I hope you loved that episode of Love Before 100. Be sure to tune in next time to see what happens and to help me cross another thing off my bucket list. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at lovebefore100 to guarantee you don't miss a thing.